want to take you to the book of Philippians. <laughs> I mentioned early service. Every time, I, every time I think about the book of Philippians, I think of an incident that happened many, many years ago. In fact, we had not been here very long. It was back in the 70s. Um, there was a lady who attended another church, but it happened to be one of the churches on my district, so I had some responsibility to it. And she used to call me a lot. And her purpose for calling, she was an elderly lady, um, single lady, that apparently didn't have anybody else to talk to. And I could understand why, because she didn't like to talk, she liked to argue. And she always called me trying to start an argument. And most of the time about something that I'd said or something her pastor had said, just always arguing. And so she called me this one evening and uh she asked me a question wanted to know my opinion and i said i called her name i said i'm not going to give you my opinion i said i'm just going to give you a scripture and i gave her a verse of scripture from the book of philippians and there was a long pause on the other end and she said uh who wrote the book of philippians I said, the Apostle Paul. She said, I never did think much of Paul. <laughs> well, I think a lot of Paul. <laughs> God used him to write about two-thirds of the New Testament. So uh, I think a lot of Paul. He was a great man of God, a great apostle that was selected and chosen of the Lord. And uh, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, it's been used from this pulpit a number of times, even in the last six months or so, this scripture, uh, Pastor Reagan and I, one have have run across it uh, in our in our sharing with you. But um, I want to use it again, and I want to specifically focus in on three things that that I think Paul points out here that we need to get a hold of. Philippians three thirteen and fourteen, brothers, I do not count myself to have attained. In other words, Paul said, I haven't arrived. And all that God has done for me, I'm, I'm still not there yet. I'm still like you. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What a powerful, powerful statement. I think it might help if we got just a little bit of background as we approach this text. Philippi was a major city in Macedonia. And uh, this city came to world prominence under Philip of Macedon and his more famous son, Alexander the Great. That's where it really came to, to uh, prominence in history. As to the importance of this scripture... We often refer to Paul's call there as the Macedonian call. You familiar with that? Those of you that are Bible scholars, uh, you, you, let, let me read it to you from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. A vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel there. You might wonder, well, why is this so important? Well, 
Paul was on his second missionary journey. And he was in the process of strengthening the churches throughout Asia Minor. So the trip had already been planned. The route had already been laid out. Tickets bought from ship to ship. And uh, he was on his journey when he had this great vision. And when he had this vision, the call was for him to leave the Asian trip and go over to Macedonia, which was in Europe. Paul had never ministered to Europe. In fact, none of the apostles had ministered in Europe. Europe was virgin territory for the gospel of Jesus at that time. So the apostle Paul goes to several of the towns over there, Neapolis and Amphipolis and Thessalonica and Philippi, among other cities over in Europe, and he preaches the gospel. Now, you may wonder why that's important to us today. Well, let me explain. That's where our forefathers heard about Jesus. And how many of you are glad they did? Because as God raised up churches in Europe, then when our founding fathers of this nation came from Europe to America, the gospel came with them. In fact, the gospel is what motivated them to go where they could worship God. They'd really found a relationship with this Lord Jesus Christ. So it's very, this is a very strategic time in the history of the church, the early church. If anything had, had changed or, or, or gone differently or if Paul had ignored this, it, it, it's possible that all of history would, would have been very different as it relates to Christianity and, uh, and its global impact. Now, when he traveled on, he left Silas and Timothy to develop the works that he had established. And on the next time through the region, uh, Paul added some of his converts to go along on the trip and these mission trips that he took, men like Gaius and Aristarchus and Secundus and many others that you may read about in your New Testament but may not be very familiar with. They're not real well-known uh, names like Peter, Paul, and John and and uh, you thought I was going to say Peter, Paul, and Mary, didn't you? But it, Peter, Paul, and John, and, and James, and, and some of the others. But um, the, this, this particular church, one of the first pl church plants in Europe, this particular church had an outstanding characteristic. I mean, they, they had all the characteristics of the other churches that Paul founded, but, but there was one that they just seemed, I guess it was a gift that they had, but it just seemed to rise above all the other churches, and that was their, their generosity. They, they were just a church that loved to give. For example, during that early history of the New Testament church, they went through an economic downturn in all of Israel and especially in the Jerusalem area. The city of Jerusalem was really hit hard. In fact, there was, there was actually a famine there. There was a, the, the economy went so bad and the harvest at that time was, was so scarce that people were literally going hungry. And some of the people in church. So these European churches led by the, Philipp, uh, the church at Philippi 
took up offerings and sent to the church at Jerusalem and probably saved the lives of many of the Christians in that early day. And the church at Philippi was the one church that stood out above all other. Paul said, you sent once and again. In other words, they didn't just give a token offering. They really reached out and sacrificed to help their brothers and sisters in, in Jerusalem. Not only that, but when they heard that Paul was in prison, they ministered to him financially. They sent him an offering. And so Paul sits down in his prison cell and writes a letter to this church, telling them, first of all, thanking them, complimenting them on their generosity and how they had helped not only him, but the church at Jerusalem during a very, very strategic time. And uh, he actually sent uh, Epaphroditus uh, over there with a letter hand-delivered to this church. And uh, after he complimented them on their giving, then Paul leaves some real nuggets of, of truth with them and shares his testimony with them. And this particular verse that I'm using for a text, or these two verses this morning, come out of that testimony of the Apostle Paul. There's three things, as I said, that sort of stand out. The first one, Paul told them, talked to them about forgetting. Let me read it again. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not count myself to have attained, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. There are some things that you need to forget. Make sure your neighbor gets this point. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's some things you ought to forget. <laughs> oh, yes, there are some things that we need to forget. Now, obviously, Paul's not telling us to forget everything. Age will take care of that. <laughs> Bill Gaither said, I can see through my bifocals. My dentures fit just fine. I can live with my arthritis, but I sure do miss my mind. So, so some people can identify with that. Well, Paul's not talking about forgetting everything. In fact, if there was anybody that brought up the past, it was Paul. When you read about him in the book of Acts, which is the history book of the New Testament, in chapters 22 and 23, when he was defending himself before the courts in Jerusalem, Paul gave his testimony. In other words, he went all the way back to Acts chapter 9 and told him about his Damascus experience. So he's not talking about forgetting everything. In chapter 24, when he defended himself in the courts at Caesarea, before Governor Felix and later Governor Festus, he gave his testimony. Then in chapter 26, when he defended himself before King Agrippa, he gave his testimony. So Paul's not talking about forgetting everything. He's talking about selective forgetting. And most of us have experience in that. And you men that don't believe that, ask your wife. She'll tell you. My wife calls it selective memory. The problem with selective memory is that we tend to remember what we should forget and forget what we ought to remember. You ever had that experience? Oh, yes, yes. We, we, tend, to, we tend to forget what we should remember and remember what we should forget. 
But Paul said there's some things that you ought to forget. And I, I want to I give you a couple of them right here. First of all, what should we forget? Paul mentioned the past, but then he gave his testimony. So it's obvious to me that what he's saying is you ought to forget the negative things of your past. And remember the positive things of your past. That's why he gave his testimony. He said, God's been so good to me. In fact, uh, the best thing for me to do is just forget all those other things and just, just think about the good things of God. You know, when you leave here this morning and you get in your car, you'll notice you've got a great big windshield. That's so you can see this way. But you've got a little bitty mirror. That's so you can see that way. In other words, the manufacturer of that automobile that you drive understood that you would be spending a lot more time looking that way than you would looking that way. But I meet some Christians who go through life driving like this. And that is dangerous. That can get you hurt. That can get you killed. In fact, you can't make forward progress if you're always looking back. That's okay to glance back every once in a while and remind yourself about good things. But there's some things that we ought to forget. Let me give you some scriptural examples of forgetting. And, and, and here's some things that you ought to forget. Let me take you way back to Genesis chapter 41 in the life of brother Joseph. In verse 51, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. Now that doesn't mean very much to us. We, we think of Manasseh. We think of the couple of the tribes in Israel. In fact, one of them was Ephraim, one of them was Manasseh. Both of those tribes are named after Joseph's sons. He had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was the firstborn, but here's why he named him that. He said, for God has made me forget all of my toil and my father's and all my father's house. In other words, he was able to forget all of the bad things that happened to him in his father's house. What happened to him in his father's house that was bad? His brothers were jealous of him. His brothers threw him in a pit. His brothers sold him to a caravan of Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt and sold him as a slave. That's his father's house. Then he said, God's helped me forget that. And then he talked about all of his toil. He's not talking about good labor here. He's talking about those years that he spent in prison. Hebrews talks about him being hurt, his arms and his ankles with the, with the, the uh, chains of Egyptian slavery when he was made to work on a chain gang in a prison in Egypt. That toil, that, that's a, and, and, and you got to realize, folks, Joseph had to make a decision. He could allow his thoughts of his brother that caused those sores on his ankles from those shackles that he bore in prison and all of that hard labor and all those years. We're talking about years, folks. We're not talking about a few minutes. We're talking about years of hard times. He could have allowed that to fester in his heart and turn to hatred and, and jealousy and envy and strife and all kind of terrible things could have filled his spirit. But he said, you know, there came a day 
in spite of all of those years that went bad. I mean, about 13 straight years, he just went down, 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 down. But one day God brought him through it and lifted him up. And he was able to be the prime minister of Egypt. And he was able to get married. And he was able to have children, raise a family. And that first one, he said, look at this boy, my goodness, alive. God has blessed me, brought me out of the prison house, give me a good job and, and give me a wife and now a baby. And he's made me, I, I'm going to think about the goodness of God. Hallelujah. And that's what, that we ought to forget those bad things in our past. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 4 and 5 says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. My, 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 my. Can I tell you this morning, when you fall in love with the Lord, and he sits on the throne of your heart, and you turn the reins of your life over to him and let him start directing you, he will bring you out of the pit. He will bring you out of prison. He'll bring you out of your shame. He'll help you overcome your past. And he will bring you to a place where you can just begin to praise him. And if you'll praise him, you'll begin to forget those bad things in your past. Amen. All the way back to your youth. Amen. Give him praise this morning. What I'm saying to you here this morning, at the advice of the Apostle Paul in the Scriptures, I would say to you, stop wallowing in your past. Amen. Quit staring in the rearview mirror. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Yesterday's gone. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Turn to your neighbor and say, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Hebrews 8, 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. He repeats it again in Hebrews 10, 17. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, I, 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 got, I got to admit something here for the sake of, of, of being honest and straightforward with the word. I have, I have said myself and even preached that God forgets. And I've struggled with this for a long time because God is omniscient. That means God is all-knowing. All and how do, you, how do you say God forgets and God's all-knowing at the same time? And so I've gone back to the scriptures that I just had in my mind that said God forgets. And I realized... It doesn't say God forgets. It says God does not remember. There is a difference in forgetting and not remembering. And, and what the scripture is saying here, and forgive me for, for making that mistake, but what God is saying here is by his own sovereign will and choice, he determines that he will not remember. He will not bring it up in his own mind. He will not bring it up against you, neither will he allow anyone to bring your past up to you again. It, it, 
I know it's a matter of somatics here, and I, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to just, uh, you know, split hairs. But, but I want to tell you this morning, what God does is God refuses to bring up against us anything that's in our past. Why should we if he doesn't? Amen? If he's not going to do it, why should we do it? Why don't we just choose? Now, that, that's, a, that's easier for me to emulate than to forget because as hard as I try to forget some things, occasionally something that I thought I had forgotten kind of comes back to mind. But I have a choice on whether I allow that to come to the forefront or not. God says, here's the way I handle that. I choose not to remember it. I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm just, I just thank the Lord he doesn't. Amen. How many of you are glad he doesn't, he chooses not to remember any of the sins of your past? You glad about that? that? That's exactly what we're talking about. He refuses to remember. He, and so if, if he does that, why don't we just refuse to remember those things in our past and, uh, and, and do the second thing he says? Paul says, since I, I'm not going to spend my time looking back, I'm going to focus on what's ahead. Second thing you need to do is focus. Say forget. Focus. Second thing is focus. Let me read the text again. Brothers, I do not count myself to have attained, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's from modern English version. Some of the other translations, I think the NIV and some of the others say the upward call. I like that as well. The upward call of God. In other words, Paul said, I, I'm going to look up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend my life looking down. I'm going to look up in spite of all the negativity around me. And in spite of everything that I've gone through or am going through, I by choice am going to look up. I'm going to focus on good things ahead. Notice he said this one thing I do, not these 10,000 things I do, not these 12 things I do, not these 10 things I do, not even these five things, this one thing I do. In other words, he said it's number one in my life. I focus, I focus, I focus, I focus, I focus, focus on good things. Praise God. Praise God. Years ago when they, uh, the University of Clemson, Clemson University was developing their athletic program, the athletic director was determining what sports they would play at Clemson and what they, and they were adding on new sports as the school was growing. And somebody came to the athletic director and said, would you, why, why can't we have the sport of rowing? at Clemson. Would you consider that? He said, absolutely not. I'm not about to have a sport at Clemson where you have to sit down and go backwards. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm not against rowing. Don't get me wrong, but I'm against sitting down and I'm against, I'm against sitting down <laughs> and I'm against going backwards. Amen. We ought to go forward and I will after I get to the steps, but we, we, we're supposed to be going forward. Paul said, I'm focusing my attention on what's ahead of me. 
I'm pressing towards that mark. I'm not going to spend my time captivated and drugged back into arguing over a good time of living. You'd be amazed at how many people that counseling involves listening to the same old thing over and over and over and over again because they never get victory over and go forward. And so they come back with the same old story and the same old story and the same old story. And you, you, hear, you hear it so many times. Now, that's not with everybody, but it does happen sometimes. Years ago, when my wife and I used to do a lot of counseling together, we had this one person that would come over and and it was always there was never anything new it was the same old same old and one one day she set up an appointment with us and it was right after lunch and i didn't get much sleep the night before and i had eaten a big lunch (laughs) and i was fighting sleep the whole time because not only was it always the same old thing she spoke in a monotone monotone voice and it just went and i i I do this i did everything i knew to and finally i just stopped i said hold it right there let's pray let's pray i i i I was going to get out of this thing because if i kept on i was afraid i'd go to sleep and i started praying and i went sound asleep while i was praying My wife knew I was asleep when I was praying because all of a sudden I started praying for my children. <laughs> Had nothing to do with what this woman was talking about. And I, I, was, I, was, I was literally dreaming. I was dreaming. I saw my kids and I was dreaming. So I was, I was just praying asleep. Sleep praying. Better than sleep walking. So my wife managed to clear her throat real loud enough that got me awake and I, I went on and prayed for a good long while then about this particular person and everything and hoping she'd forget what I'd prayed about my family that had nothing to do with her situation but, but what I'm telling you is don't wallow in the same old stuff you'll never make any progress as long as you're treading water or as long as you're just just spinning your wheels in the same old mud hole Paul said focus and here's some good things to focus on. He gives us 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. Look at this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. How many of you are in the Lord Jesus Christ today? You know your sins are forgiven. You've been born again. You're in Christ. Listen to what he says. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us unto himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow, look at that. You want something to think about? 
Think about this. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We're new creatures. We've been reconciled. In other words, we have been brought into right relationship with God, the, our Heavenly Father, and with the whole family of heaven. You, you need to sort of lift up your head a little bit this morning. Folks, you somebody. You somebody. Amen. You, you've been rec you're on good standing in the courts of heaven. Boy, you can't beat that. I have some preacher friends that, that, uh, that are able to have uh, um, access to the White House. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a pretty big deal. But I want to tell you something this morning. I'm, I'm not trying to one-up anybody, but, but I, I've, got some, I've got some recognition in a place that's higher than the White House. The courts of heaven. I've been reconciled to God. I'm in right standing with my father this morning. I've already, I've, I, I felt him invite me in this morning when I was praying. Just come on into the throne of grace. Welcome, son. You part of the family. Tell, tell us what your requests are to the God. That's who we are and what we have in the Lord. We've been reconciled to God. Boy, you got clout in the right place this morning. And we're supposed to be now. He has made us to be ministers of reconciliation. And I could preach a whole sermon on this one right here. Because the body of Christ, you and I in the body of Christ today are supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. In other words, what we do and what we say ought to be bringing folks together, not putting folks apart. Amen? Do I need to preach here a while or yeah, you're a pretty sharp audience. I believe y'all get it. Everywhere I look today, there's a there's an effort to divide us. Don't don't fall, don't fall in that trap, folks. Don't just don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Here's all I'm gonna say about voting. You ought to vote. You ought to go to the polls this week if you haven't already, and you ought to vote. Let me tell you why I say that. Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, unto God the things that are God's. We don't have a Caesar in the form of a dictator or a king. You know who our Caesar is? The United States of America? It's the Constitution. We are ruled by our Constitution. That's the Caesar that rules the government of the United States of America. And the Constitution says that we shall vote. So we should vote. That's all I'm going to tell you. You ask me how to vote, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm going to tell you to pray about how you vote. I'm going to tell you to study the word of the Lord and, 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 and try to the best of your ability to, to let this be your guide in everything that you do. And we, and we need to elect people that honor God's word and have a fear of God. And that's the best thing you can do where that's possible. Uh, so, so do that. But I'm not going to go beyond that. And neither am I going to fall out with or, or fuss with or try to put somebody down that don't see things the same way I do. Because God's called us to be ministers of reconciliation. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you, years ago, um, I, I have 
certain things that I pray about on, a, on each day of the week. And there's one day, it's Friday, that I pray for our government. And way back since the 70s, I pray for our executive branch, and I call those by name, our president, our vice president, and all the cabinet members I can think of, and everybody in the executive branch I can think of. I pray for our legislative branch, and I pray especially for our senators by name and our representatives by name. And, and I, I write them down in my prayer book so I won't forget who they are. I've been doing that. Let me tell you, I've done that for the pre- I do that for the president we have now. I did that for the president that we had before him. I did that for the president that we had before him. I did that for the president we had before him. It doesn't matter to me whether Democrat or Republican. My job is to pray for our nation and pray for our leaders. Amen? It's hard to talk about people you pray for. And the fact is, you don't pray for people you talk about. So what I think the body, we ought to be different from this world. We should not be. God's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let's just bless one another and pray for one another and pray for our nation and pray that God will bless and try not to offend each other. Good time of living. You get enough offense and hurt out there in the world. We don't have to do it to one another in the church. Amen. Let's love each other. Praise God. Glory, 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 glory. Praise the Lord. And, 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 uh, and I said, we're ambassadors for the Lord. We're supposed to be representing the Lord Jesus on this earth. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He took our sins and gave us his righteousness. You can't beat a deal like that. Another thing you ought to focus on is what God says about you not what somebody else says about you I meet people all the time who are still suffering from negative things that have been said over them or said about them or said to them why don't you just say what God says Isaiah 43 1 and 2 says and now thus says the Lord who created you O Jacob he who formed you O Israel fear not for I have redeemed you I have called you by your name you're mine When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Notice he did not say you wouldn't pass through the waters, but he said, when you do, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Oh, my goodness. He didn't say you wouldn't go through the fire. And, folks, I know, I don't know everybody's situation, but I know some situations in this room this morning. I know some of you are going through the fire. I know some of you are going through a tough time right now. I know some of you are dealing with stuff that's, that's tough. God didn't say you wouldn't go through it, but he did say you won't go through it alone. He said, I'll go with you. And then he pledged himself to bring you out on the other side of it with victory. If you'll just focus on him. Amen. So let's focus on him this morning and let him, yes, let him bring us through it. Let him bring us through it. You say, well, that's an Old Testament promise. Well, you can claim it. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So because of Jesus, we're in Christ Jesus, we are descendants of Abraham through Jesus Christ. So I can claim every promise in this book all the way back to Abraham 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord. And don't forget Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Pastor Reagan preached on that just a Sunday or two ago. Praise God. Nothing. God loves you. God loves you. Well, we need to focus on where we're headed. Paul said, I press toward the goal to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't take your eye off the goal. Keep focused on what's ahead. There's victory ahead. Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Do you, you get what he's saying here? Whatever we're going through right now, right now. I've, I've often thought about this, and I've, I've heard people say from time to time, boy, I tell you, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this. And, and I've thought about that myself because there's some things I don't understand. And, and there's some things I have thought. I'll tell you what, boy, when I get, when I get to heaven, when I get some one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus, I got some questions I want him to answer. But Paul said, when we get to heaven, once we get there, <laughs> glory to God, once we, once we enter the, the glory of heaven, the presence of Jesus, and get our glorified body, he said the things that we have suffered in this life, they seem so real right now, and they are. I'm not minimizing anything. They are real. We hurt. We struggle. All of these things are real. But he said when we get there, all that we've suffered in this life is not even worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And so here's what I think I'll probably do. Pastor Reagan will probably be like this. When I get up to Jesus, I get up and I'll say, Lord, I got some. I'll forget it. <laughs> it, it. It's not even worthy to be talked about here. Oh, let, let me just bask in this. <laughs> glory to God. The, the glory that's going to be revealed in you folks, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Hold on. Hold on. It's worth it. Focus. Focus. And finally, my last point, and I'll make it short. Last thing, if you'll forget what's behind you and you'll focus on what's ahead, you'll flourish. Look at Psalms 92, 13 to 15. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Praise the Lord. How many of us can, no, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> they shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. That word flourish in the Hebrew and the English means to grow vigorously, to, su to succeed and to prosper. And that's what God wants for all of us, regardless of what our station is in life. There's some of you this morning is getting as old as I am, and you feel like, well, I've passed my prime. Doesn't matter. 
He said he wants us to flourish all the way, be fruitful and succeed and prosper all the way to the end. Amen. God's not finished with you yet. God gets finished you, he'll take you to glory and go ahead and give you your reward. But your job's not over yet. Amen. Some of you young people think, well, I, you know, I hadn't reached my prime yet. I just, you, God still wants you to flourish. Amen. It doesn't matter what station you're in in life, whether you're in your young years, whether you're in your middle years, or whether you're in your, your senior years, God wants you to flourish. Amen. He wants you to prosper. Look what John the apostle said in third John two, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's what God desires for us. And so Paul says to this generous church at Philippi, when he's wrapping it up in chapter four and he gets to verse 19, he said, if you'll forget all that stuff behind you, and you'll focus on what's ahead of you. I promise you this. My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God wants you to flourish. Will you stand with me, please? God wants us to flourish. You say, preacher, that's a little hard right now, given what I'm going through. But I want to I tell you something. I, I want you to think of it like this. I, I know right now it's fall. And thank the Lord for the fall. I'm glad to see the cooler weather, the fall of the year. But I want you to think about spring for a few minutes. Because following fall will be winter and then will come spring. Right now we see the leaves falling off and things will eventually look dead. But in springtime, the wind will start to blow. Those warm, balmy spring breezes will blow so hard that it'll cause trees to bend and some limbs will break and fall off. It, 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 it'll be, a, it'll be a, a shifting time. But those spring winds blowing, blowing and bending that tree and bending that tree. And, and, and it may look for a little bit like it's not going to make it. But yes, it is. Yes, it will. And what will happen is that those, those winds that seem like winds of adversity will cause that sap to begin to rise and come up in that tree for the purpose of bringing on new fruit. There's another harvest out there. And I want to say to those of you this morning that are going through a tough time, maybe the battle of your life right now, maybe the hardest thing you've ever faced or dealt with, I want to tell you, when you get through these winds of adversity blowing, God will, if you just keep looking forward, keep focusing on him, God will bring you through this test and this trial, and he'll bring you through the winds of adversity. And there'll be new fruit that will grow in your life. Doesn't matter what age you are, God wants you to flourish. And he'll bring you to that place of flourishing in him. Pastor Steve's going to lead us in a song. And perhaps a prayer in this song. So what I'd like for you to do, I'd like for you to just bow your head for a moment. And I want you to pray right there at your seat where you are. 
If you're unsaved this morning, I want to invite you to give your heart to Jesus. Just, just open your heart to him. Ask him in right now. If you're struggling in any area of your life, I want you to pray and ask God to help you. If there's some stuff that's been tormenting you out of your past, I want you to ask the Lord this morning to help you just to forget it. And just determine that you're not going to remember it. You're not going to bring it up anymore. You're just going to let it go. You're going to put it behind you. Whatever your need is, just go ahead and present those needs to the Lord.